It's beer o'clock and time for Drunken Time Travel. This week we've been thinking about the new Brewdog Burger. A burger, so much so you actually need an uh, ID to get it, I believe. Yes. This does sound a most awesome burger. A most awesome burger. Most awesome burger. Yes. Apparently we've also been thinking about Bill and Ted as well. Yeah. Well, it's, it's, quite, it's got like stout in it, ale, and it's... Oh, there's like four different types of uh, ales in it, but it it does sound awesome. Yes. Beer and burger. Why have them separate when you can have it all in one? So anyway, so, on my left, a man whose second name is spelt exactly as it sounds. Irish Gav. And on my right, a man who wishes he was quantumly entangled with Ian Chesterton. It's English Gav. If you want to contact us about this show, or give us feedback, good or bad, you can reach us at drunkentimetravel at gmail.com, or at drunktimetravel on the Twitter sphere, Or on Facebook. I'll say that again. Ah, callback. Our official tedious link beer TM of today is Farmer's Stout by Bradfield Brewery. Yes. A brewery in Bradfield. Yes, I've not had this particular variety before, but I have had a fair few of the farmers' beers, and they have all been very nice. Yes, they they, they have. Well, I've had one, and it was nice. This show, we're doing the story called The Invasion, which is eight parts. I forgot what it was called. Eight goddamn parts. Strap yourselves in. Take it away, Mr. Synopsis. Thank you, Mr. Intro. Epistory 1. The TARDIS is fired up by a missile in space next to the Pink Floyd album Dark Side of the Moon, so naturally the Doctor sets a course for Earth. The TARDIS becomes invisible due to a defective circuit because that's what defective circuits do. They're in the 20th century and try to find Professor Travers. He of Yeti fame. They find his house, but it's been left with Professor Watkins, who is missing after working for International Electromatics. Is anyone in this? Oh, Isabel. Watkins' nieces. The Doctor and Jamie go to their headquarters while Zoe stays behind to model. I.E.'s rubbish security chief, Packer, takes them to the boss, Tobias Bond, who treats them far too nicely. That's right, he wants to be a Bond villain. Watkins isn't missing, he's just really busy apparently, so the Doctor and Jamie leave, more suspicious than before. Bond then opens a panel on the wall, revealing an alien computer. Classifying sales out of the app story. Defective circuit at reduced price. Damage due to making objects invisible. Also for sale, defective hat that gives people super strength. App story 2. Shortly after leaving IE, the Doctor and Jamie are kidnapped and taken to a plane with an army operations room. Did I mention Bond movie? Anyway, Lethbridge Stewart, another he of Yeti fame, now Brigadier is there. He now runs part of Unit, and they're investigating IE. There aren't enough abbreviations in this story. Company, not the abbreviation meaning that is. Zoe and Isabel, somehow bored of modelling, go searching for the Doctor and Jamie. At IE, Zoe destroys a computer using the standard Captain Kirk way. Bond's alien computer reveals it knows Doctor and Jamie from Planet 14, which unfortunately isn't a nightclub. Meanwhile, Zoe and Isabel are brought to Vaughn, who thinks she'll be useful to get her uncle to cooperate. Before the Doctor and Jamie can rescue them, they are themselves captured by local incompetent Packer. Classified travel out of the epistory, 
Come to Planet 14. It's entirely nondescript and vague. You'll be there and experience it. I want to go there. <laughs> you probably do. wonder if they've got beer. They may have. They may or may not have beer. Epistory 3. The Doctor accuses Vaughn of kidnapping Zoe and Isabel, but he denies this. I mean, why would you? Jamie and the Doctor are then taken to IE's country retreat. They meet Professor Watkins and his machine for inducing emotional changes in people. You may know it as alcohol. Vaughn, who has the Doctor's defective circuit, tries to quiz him and Jamie on it. When he fails, they're taken away. Well, until Packer inadvertently lets them escape from a lift. From a lift. At that point, they hide in some crates, but the material in Jamie's crate starts to move. That, alas, is not a euphemism. Classified employment out of the epistory. Security chief wanted. Must be able to work in confined spaces. Epistory 4. So much for that. Before you can say the Doctor and Jamie escape from crates to go after Zoe and Isabel, the Doctor and Jamie escape from the crates to go after Zoe and Isabel. Vaughn is planning to use the Professor's machine to use against the alien invaders if necessary, while over the Tannoy system he wants the Doctor to surrender or Zoe will get hurt. Non-John. So the Doctor calls Unit and they're all picked up. Having decided he doesn't like Unit much, Vaughn gets Billy Rutledge at the Ministry of Defence to stop their investigations. The Doctor realises there has been an increase in new activity, which he thinks are ships bringing cocoons to Earth, but not in the 80s old people movie kind of way. Him and Jamie break into an IE warehouse and see Cyberman merging from the one of the cocoons. Better late than never. Classified transport out of the epistory. Unit, United Nations Intelligence Taxi Services. Low rates. Epistory 5. They try to warn Unit about the Cyberman invasion, but Unit has already been told to stop activity against IE. Brigadier is having none of this and goes over Rutledge's shiny head to UNHQ, but just needs photos of UFOs first. Oh, is that all? Vaughn tests the professor's machine on the Cyberman and it goes quite, quite mad and runs off to the sewer like it has seen a picture of dogs playing poker. The Doctor discovers that circuits and IE devices will mean the Earth will be in cyber control when activated. Meanwhile, the Zoe... The Zoe? (laughs) 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 Meanwhile, Zoe, Isabel and Jamie leave the secure unit base to go down the sewer as well to get the Cyberman proof. Now that everyone in the known universe is down the London sewer, the companions see the mad Cybermen coming towards them. Classified charity out of the epistory. This Cyberman has been driven insane. Simply send £4 to free the mad Cybermen, care of DTT. Together, we can free the mad Cybermen. About three people will get that. Are we two of them? Yes. <laughs> epistory 6. The mad Cyberman ignores them, he has more existential crises going on, so Isabel, Zoe and Jamie leave the sewers. First though, Isabel takes pics of the Cybermen, but the Brig isn't impressed though, as they look like fakes. Well, they're no Hitler diaries, but... Watkins has perfected the machine and gives it to Vaughn, who insists he shoot him. Watkins is given a gun, but it has no effect, as Vaughn's wings are like a shield of steel. Either that, or he's been half cyber-converted. Unit rescues the Professor, and he and the Doctor create some resistors to the Cybermen hypnotic signals, which the Unit troops attach to their necks. At dawn, people around the world collapse, and the Cybermen rise from the sewers to take over London. But they were glad to get out of there. 
However, the doctor's resistor has fallen off and he starts to black out. Classified property out of the other story. For sale, spacious underground sewer, no longer needed, and ideal as launching pad for invasion. Epistory 7. But it's alright kids, the doctor's given a new resistor and he's fine. To destroy the cyber warships near the moon, unit decides to use a combination of Russian rockets and nuclear missiles. Ah, the Cold War. The doctor tries to persuade Bond not to carry on with his deal with the Cybermen, but to no avail. There is a distinct lack of avail, in fact. Once the missiles destroy the fleet, the Cybermen blame Vaughn. So they calmly, rationally, and without emotion, decide to throw a hissy fit and use a Megatron bomb to obliterate all life on the planet. Classified wanted out of the epistory, Optimus Prime Bomb wanted will trade Megatron Bomb or Bumblebee Bomb. Epistory 8. Bond tries to use the Professor's machine to destroy the Cybermen machine in his office and now wants to help humanity. Bond is killed in a battle against the Cybermen but is able to shut down the Megatron Bomb's homing signal. For good measure, the bomb is also destroyed by a missile along with the Cybership. Doctor and companions take this opportunity to bugger off. Classified wanted out of the epistory. Wanted shorter epistories, preferably four episodes long. Epistory nine. No way. I did like the uh, mega chunk bomb. Yeah. Did you like that? Yeah. And, and I don't even like transformers. That's how amusing it was. <laughs> I just started envisioning a bumblebee bomb. Oh, there was something back here. I thought that's tough. Cybermen hypnotic signals. That's quite tough to say. Is it? Cybermen hypnotic signals. I'll not try saying it. Because you probably said it. So, Mr. Vaughn. Mr. Bond villain Vaughn. Mr. Bond, yes. There's a very Bond villain vibe to this story, I believe. Yes, was it intentional? I, th- I believe it must have been. But there were several things. There was there was Vaughn himself, you know, and, um, and his relationship with the Doctor being all nice to him when he's his enemy and wants to kill him. Mm. Uh, and then there was the bit where the unit people were following the Doctor and Jimmy and cars, but we didn't know his unit people, so we thought they were like working for Vaughn or you know, villains. And then it turned out they were unit, and they do that yes. a lot in Vaughn movies. Do they? I yeah, can't remember. at least twice. <laughs> Possibly three times. And that constitutes a lot. Three times, definitely, yeah. It's usually Felix later. But yeah, I can't say I've noticed that in the Bond films when I've been watching them. Oh, I can't remember. Which <laughs> is no news to anybody. You don't really need to say that. I think people can just cut and paste that into every, every bit of the podcast. That, yeah, that I know nothing. <laughs> but yes, it was it was just a series of circular video screens on the wall. But no, the best part of it, they weren't even that big, but the best part of it is, yeah. is when people <laughs> put their, appeared on it, their faces basically nearly took up the whole of the yeah. screen. Yeah. <laughs> there was an amazing bit towards the end where he was like, he was wanting to get Packer on the screen, but Packer had obviously been killed or whatever. And a Cyberman just stuck his head into the screen and it was just, uh, what the hell? How does this work? And then it has to be that, <laughs> and then it has to be, it has to be that sound, the, the, the Cyberman redesign that just looks like they're happy. Hello. <laughs> but it would be much more fun if all uh, office conference calls were like that. 
Well, with, with people in the office talking to Cybermen. Yes. <laughs> Happy doped out Cybermen. It will be great. You will be like us. Or not. Whatever makes you happy. <laughs> Have you tried this pizza? Does Robert work in pizza right now? <laughs> Robert works in pizza. Dalek Steve works in McDonald's. It's the way of the world. They're not happy about earning no money, but you know they have these occupy, occupy scarrow movements where they're you know trying to get you know the ninety nine percent to earn as much as the one percent of the emperor Dalek. Does not conquering worlds pay much? I, I wouldn't imagine so, since they seem to suck at it. <laughs> <laughs> since the doctor keeps thwarting them. Yeah. So you need a sideline. Well, I can't imagine, you know, when the Cybermen blew up that star in uh, the in Space, I think. Or was it the Moon? I think it was the in Space. I can't imagine that would uh, be, be uh, shall we say, cheap. Yeah, that did seem like an expensive operation. I couldn't quite remember it for a second, though. But you got there in the end. Yeah. I just need time. Don't we all? I also liked uh, Vaughn's offices. Mm. Because there's the one in the country retreat and the one in London. Mm. But they're basically the same set, but with a different background. With a different screensaver on the windows. It's a, it's a great way to save money. Funny enough, it didn't, though, because this is the, this is the most expensive Doctor Who story up to this point. Yeah, because it's like eight episodes <laughs> long. It was, it was more expensive than the Dalek Master Plan, which was ten episodes long. No, it was twelve episodes long. How, how the hell is that then? I don't know. And this is their model that they want to use for whenever, you know, a unit story is based on Earth to save money. Apparently it's not going to work. <laughs> uh, yeah. Bond, mm. as you say. The... Yeah. yeah. The, 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 the old deal with the Cybermen. Yeah, it always works out, doesn't it? It always, always works out. The, the Doctor even mentions it this time around, doesn't it? He's fed up with people making deals yeah. with the Cybermen. Stop it. Yeah. it it's a naughty, you an idiot. You don't make deals with the Cybermen. No, Never works. You, Ever. Look, you don't make deals with the Cybermen. You don't make deals with the banker on deal or no deal. In fact, the banker on deal or no deal is a Cyberman. And you don't shake a Daleks on. No. And you, and you, uh, you don't make friends with Salad either. But there, there's the, the, the Cyberman, Cyberman, Cyber Machine in his office, behind a wall. Yes, the, the Cyber Director. Um, that uh, he opens the wall door and then talks to it. But <laughs> which one bit where the Cyber Machine was still talking to him and he just closed the wall door? Yeah. <laughs> so I fucked it. Yeah, I, I like how he's got a Cyber Director, like, just tucked away in his cupboard yeah. somewhere. I like the fact he closed it. And then yeah, I want I you to destroy. What? Yeah. Stop, what are you doing? I did <laughs> close the wall. <laughs> Don't do that. I'm lonely. <laughs> it's bad enough you locked me up in here. So and then during that he has the he, he he says discussion concluded to stop the conversation, which is a great way to end conversations. I think if you're just bored yeah. with someone, just say discussion concluded and walk away. <laughs> Have you tried it out yet, Gav? No, one real in what we call real life. Yes. No. 
And uh, we'll be getting him onto Packer shortly, but I like how Vaughn talks down to him. In fact, yeah. in fact, Packer seems to be the only one to exacerbate Vaughn in any way. Not, not the Doctor, not Cyberman, but just his subordinate security chief, who's just incompetent. Yeah. He says to him at well, one point, don't fail this time, there's a good fellow. <laughs> <laughs> but if, if you are an evil villain of the, th- of the thing, you, you've got to have a useless henchman. Do you think Packer's his nephew that, he, that, he, that his sister told him to bring along to give him a job? And he's just, oh, for God's sake. Quite possible. I'm trying to do a Cyberman deal invasion here. It's hard enough to do a deal with him in the first place without you. <laughs> and use a phone. What are you doing with your watch? Uh, yes, Packer and his awesome speaking to... Is his watch that would be like one of the Samsung ones that he talks into to speak to people? That, that, mm. How do we explain this? Right, he talks into the watch by putting his watch right next to his mouth. <clears throat> yeah. And then to listen, moves the moves his arm around to his ear so he can uh, hear the watch. And then yeah. and then we hear like comedy <laughs> for for like two seconds, but in that two seconds he's heard a three minute conversation. So it's so it's very much like that. Even Maybe it's a time watch. A time watch. Yeah. It it speeds up the other end. Doesn't time watch some kind of documentary? It's also a new app for uh, Galaxy Gear. Okay. As I mentioned in the synopsis, he's, uh, he's filled by the Doctor with the lift, which was a great scene, which would have been my quote if it wasn't the fact it was quite visual. One of one of many quotes that could have been. Could have been. Let's, let's remember some been. quotes that could have been. I'm <laughs> <laughs> just providing the background music now. There's so much editing. Vaughn says at one point, I says, uh, I shall control the world. And Packer says to him, you? You sure? <laughs> this isn't the best thing yes. to say to your boss slash yeah. uncle. <laughs> yeah, especially a boss that is trying to control the world. <laughs> what did he think he was doing, managing a branch of Tesco's? I think he thought he was managing some kind of uh, electrical outfit, like Radio Shack. <laughs> or Tandy. And, uh, so Billy Rutledge at the Ministry of Defence. Yes, the the messy, unkempt guy. Yep, Clark ooh, unkempt. Oh, had a really, really sort of. I can't describe his hair at all. It's like really neat but messy. You're right, you can't. It was like a solidified mess. It's like it would gelled up to hell. But it was neat. Yeah, he had a trophy behind him. Was that for his hair, do you think? Best hair? Possibly. Most gel. Best civil servant? Mm-hmm. Or, or best moustache. Well, yeah, because the, yeah. the brig was, Brigadier was speaking to me, he looked annoyed, yeah. so maybe uh, he's probably thinking, yeah. how can you get breast, best moustache? Or even breast moustache? Yeah. <laughs> what the hell's a breast moustache? Let's not go into that. Yeah, but they're having a moustache off in the office. Yeah. Yeah. But the first qu- first question, uh, whenever Vaughn tried tried to call old Billy Rutledge, first question uh, Vaughn or, or Rutledge asks his, his secretary is uh, when he gets the answer to call, male or female, or other, or uh, he could have asked a sex location. <laughs> but why why would it be male or female? Well, it could be Cyberman. Male, female, Cyberman. Or, or, or was he playing? Guess who? 
Yeah, but was he uh, was he was he playing Guess Who with with his secretary? Maybe. What over the phone? Over the phone like like yeah. when you play chess via mail. Yeah, he's playing Guess Who with the phone. <laughs> now I want to play Guess Who over the phone. <laughs> Have you got a beard? No. Is it the <laughs> is it the only Cyberman that's there? <laughs> yeah, so he's probably the first of a long line of corrupt politicians we're going to see hanging around the unit. Also, he's he's uh, he's a bit rubbish at being uh, hypnotised with AI. He can't even do that right. Well, not many people can. There's only a select uh, sect of individuals that can. What be hypnotised? Yeah. Are you one? No. Because <laughs> yeah. I know it's bollocks. You just is it bollocks? Well, no, and yes. You no know and yes. Huh? Well, it's more to do with power suggestion. Ah, like, like and saying pizza how, and then what we'll How susceptible pizza. you are to it and, and all that sort of crap. Put it on your science on that? Aquarium. But I'm not uh, Darren Brown. There are plenty of other things. There are plenty of other times to do it, believe me. Um, which just brings us to Isabel Watkins. Ah, Isabel. Who was constantly, apparently, seeming like auditioning for a role as the companion yes throughout the story although a photographer in the TARDIS would be quite cool because mm. then you'd have, you'd have someone who would constantly be mm. you know taking pictures of things things like that but, but not her no dear god not her although I didn't find out until the second watch show with the subtitles on that she was written as a new companion or a potential new companion was she? yeah you get a lot of people like that though mm. Which is because but, but it it was like rather than written as a new companion, it she was she seemed to be trying to audition all the way through the episode to be a new companion. Rather than actually being written as one. She was like trying to be one. She wasn't doing it very well. Mm. That, that's why she didn't get hired. She was a bit annoying. That's why she got left at the gate. Um, I mean she got kicked out of her studio apartment or whatever. What, for being annoying? And then she uses her uncle, so you know, to live with. And then she only noticed he was missing when she needed to borrow money. She doesn't sound like a wonderful person to me. Which links in again because mm. some some that, that mm. annoying. <laughs> Not everyone in this was annoying, but that annoying unit guy who tried to chat her up, and she's like, "Are you stinking rich?" <laughs> so obviously that's all she thinks. Of. Yeah, it's uh, pro-dating tips now. Well, it might be interesting, you know, if she went with the doctor and then became less annoying, you know, like Donna. Yeah, it could be. And so it's it's a great opportunity as well, as I said earlier, for a photographer to go travelling. I just with think the it'd be interesting co travelling and then be you know taking pictures of alien worlds and finding you know because they would just see amazing things everywhere. And yeah. And, and, and it's a valid reason for somebody wanting to travel with a doctor, besides the again. fact that you get to travel in the universe and through time. Because if that's not tempting you enough, because you need another reason. Yeah. <laughs> you need one more reason. You need three. Oh. I like Everybody it. gets the first two. You need one more. <laughs> bow ties are cool. You're in. Hey, where's a bow tie? And whenever Jamie and the Doctor go off on their crazy missions, Zoe and Isabel stay behind and take selfies of each other until they're bored of it. 
which I imagine would have been like three seconds. Um, and then and they then, didn't look like they were getting bored. And then they start <laughs> listening to the teddy bears picnic. They were that excited they didn't realise the teddy bears picnic was on. I mean, what in fuck was going on there? <laughs> hey, if you want to hear this record, it's amazing. It's not. It's the teddy bears picnic. This is nineteen sixty-eight woman. Or is it nineteen sixty-nine? This is the end of the sixties. This is the end of the sixties, woman. Some of the best music out there is going on, and you're listening to Teddy Bear's fucking picnic. Are you got a problem with Teddy Bear's picnic? I'm picking this. That making this character in the in the nineties was listening to Mr. Blobby. I bet she won't. I'll just write it so she will. Then 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 what will happen? But as mentioned by yeah. no one, two of the episodes in this were. Uh, Destroyed yes. due to contamination. Uh, Not really. So this is. Oh, so we have to watch reconstructions. But they were animated. Yeah. By the BBC, they, and these were the. I mean, we've watched them before, animated ones. But these were the first ones that were ever done by BBC. I remember buying mm. this on uh, on video. I think, yeah, I remember buying this on video mm. at the time, being excited to see the animation. And it's pretty damn good. Isn't it? it's, it's. I really love the animation. It's. Probably the best animation they've done yet, but then, it but then really it is the most expensive, mm. probably. Yeah, they they really did capture the characters and and the mood as well of the episodes. Yes, it got, yeah, they got the atmosphere down very well. And in uh, in the episode one that was animated, mm. Bad Wolf was written on Isabella's wall, which again is not a euphemism. Why would it be? A I don't know. I just like saying that. Why can't I like comedy? Well, we'll find out next week when we listen to your science. I hate comedy. No comedy in science. Darrow Breen Whip. He's a heathen. Yeah, but uh, as we mentioned, the atmosphere, the music in this was good. It did link, it did work with the atmosphere as well. Some nice atmospheric mm. and good tunes. Sa- yeah. Right. Another, and it's another one with Cybermen in it as well. <laughs> they like having good music with Cybermen. Oh, right, I thought you were just. And it's another one with Cybermen in it. <laughs> No, no, they just seem to like having good music in Cybermen oh, right, episodes. Okay. Yes, they do with the... But they didn't use the greatest music ever. No, it's now the Yeti theme tune. Apparently. I think you'll find. Is that why they can't use it anymore? Yeah. They've stolen it. Bastards. Uh, more behind-the-scenes things. Terence Dix became script editor with this story. He's a big... He was, he was script editor He's pretty much big. all through the third Doctor's reign. And he did a lot of the Target novelizations. Have you heard of him? Uh, yes. I've not read any. Uh, but you know who he is. I've heard his name. And it was a sort of pilot for the Earthbound Third Doctor thing, which we've mentioned. Nicholas Courtney was asked during the recording of this if he'd come back on a regular basis. And he said yes. They also asked Del Monte, but they said no. But why did he say no? He, he said no because he was he was too busy making. He was too busy juice. saying yes. <laughs> he was too busy saying yes in <laughs> South America to say yes here. So okay. so the, so we uh, that flies. He, <laughs> he he farmed out the yes contract to TSB here. Eighties jokes that no one will get. <laughs> and last thing, I this was I filmed see. at the Guinness factory. At a Guinness uh, factory. Just thought I'd mention that now. You're listening to Drunken Time Travel. It's quarter past the hour. It's time for the beer interlude. So, 
The beer then, Gav. Beer interlude, yes. Uh, what beer is this? Right, this is the, the Farmer's Stout. Farmer's Stout, yes. And we mentioned the Guinness Factory, so there is also Guinness Nuts. Guinness Gourmet Peanuts and Cashews mm. to, to go with this, because apparently we're getting food now. Yeah, I'm thinking this, it's a very light stout. It is a very light stout. It's it's more like a dark ale than a stout. I, I, I thought I hadn't really drank that much, but apparently I drank half of it. And Pulsicle, mate, it's, it's quite drinkable. It ha- yeah, it, ha- it doesn't have a, a, like like a normal, really dark stout mm. taste. Yeah, there's no heaviness to it. Or anything no. like that. See, I can't say it tastes like burnt wooden people. Singed wooden people? Yeah. See, I had stout before, and, I, and it reminded me of... And I was like, yeah, it tastes like burnt wooden people. I don't know why these words came together. But yeah, this doesn't taste like burnt wooden people. And you know what these... Uh, if anything, these people are melted in plastic. We know these Guinness notes. You know what they remind me of? Do tell. Twiglets. It no. tastes like the coated in Twiglets. No. The Guinness coating they use in this and the Guinness crisps were tight hard. It's a bit sweeter than that. It's like toffee or caramel or something as well. I have to say these are a lot better than the Guinness crisps. They do have a bit of familiarity with dry roasted as well. I wouldn't say they taste like Guinness mm. in any way. Oh no. Because they're nuts and not beer. There's, there's a slight sour note to it. I, mu- I much prefer Just the dry like roast. Really <laughs> but yes, this is apparently a dark, enriched black and white stout balanced by uh, roasted malts and flaked oats, this beer. Mm-hmm. So Michael Jackson would be pleased by that. Indeed. <laughs> as, for, uh, as for sticker worthiness, no. worthiness uh, I, I wouldn't, no, I wouldn't do. I mean, it's alright, it's a decent drink. But it's not getting a sticker. No sticker for you. It might get some soup it's, though. It's it's a bit too weak in flavour. This one, it's uh, it's the first one I'm disappointed with from the farmers. Uh, from all farmers. <laughs> yeah, I like their blueberry one that I had before. Yeah, I can't remember the car. Are the nuts sticker worthy? <laughs> no, I wouldn't sticker the nuts either. You wouldn't sticker your nuts. Okay then, which brings us back to the doctor. Indeed, he also. He did a, he did a lot of good things in this. For instance, mm. well, just like, like a lot of little, little moments when they went to Watkins' house, <coughs> he called at the door, and then <coughs> see, this is my went to the door, and he and he just walked in. He didn't even wait for her to invite him in. Maybe he was showing that he he wasn't a vampire. Well, I suppose that's a growing concern among young females in the sixties. But it is a good way of proving that you're not a vampire. You just walk into somebody's house. Look, I'm not a vampire. Why don't we do that now? <laughs> Why don't we just go to someone's house, walk in and say, we're not vampires, see? And then walk out again. Mm. Let's try it tomorrow. Several, several reasons why we don't. Mm. <laughs> the, the Housing Act of 1958 being one of them. And also the Vampire Act of 64. 64 was a good year. Not for vampires. One of my favourite bits with Doctor on there. <laughs> not me. <laughs> <laughs> well, you said don't nudge me three hours after I nudged you. <laughs> it takes time for the nerves to react. <laughs> but yet, when uh, when when it breaks, reminds me of whenever someone implied Homer Simpson was slow, and then when he eventually noticed everyone had gone home. Also comedy. <laughs> Ash also comedy. 
<laughs> but yeah, when uh, when Big sent his boys to uh, capture him, and he noticed him, and he, he just uh, sat with, uh, just suddenly sat with Jamie, and not with Jamie, Anthony, just with Jamie, just sat outside at street, just playing randomly playing cards <laughs> while they approached, just rather nonchalantly. Really like that scene. Yeah, I like it whenever the Doctor just does little things like that. And, it, and there's another bit where the, where the brick says to the Doctor, oh, we'll get you a TK-46 or something like that. And the Doctor thought, oh, was that a tank? But it turned mm. out just to be a radio. But good if it was a tank. Mm. Give the Doctor a tank. <laughs> stupid cold names. Yeah, when they first turned up and uh, looked on the scanner, and the doctor sees there's uh, rain clouds. Yes, of course it's England. There's rain. Not stereotyping us at all. But it's rain. But I'll tell you the most unbelievable thing in this. You know, Cybermen, Is it the Cybermen? Cybermen, I can, no, Cybermen I can believe. I can get behind that. I can also get behind the invisibility. Is it Vaughan's conjunctivitis? <laughs> conjunctivitis. I can, yeah, I can get behind that. There was a point he could not see. <laughs> His eyes were closed. I think people not seeing. It's the fact that the doctor is in is in the sewer, but still mm. gets a signal and can talk to the brigadier. That's military that's, uh, radio that's, thing. That's just. I mean, there's science fiction, and then there's just flagrant regard for any kind of structure on storytelling, and that went too far. There's no mm. way anyone could get a signal in a sewer. I don't care if it's 6,000 years in the future. It's not going to happen. Possible. Depends what the signal's based on. Based on your face, Dad. It's not going to happen. Because <laughs> my face don't go near sewers. My face don't go near sewers. Hash, my face don't go near sewers. <clears throat> Unless it's drunk. Well, obviously. But you don't want to build a phone network around that, do you? No. Well... <laughs> <laughs> Depends how drunk I am. Zoe loves that feather boa, doesn't she? Uh, apparently. She, she has this feather, feather boa that Isabel gave her, and then I think she wore it throughout pretty much the entire episode for some reason. She did get bored around about episode six and changed back into a capsule. Though. Well, I think we all got bored around episode six. <laughs> <laughs> That's a fair point. <laughs> She, she she just uh, she just got back into older. Are we ready to go? It now is another two episodes. Oh fucking! It's changed and everything. <laughs> <laughs> I thought we'd done by now. Funny she said that. I thought we'd done by now. <laughs> <laughs> I'll be a tardis. Wet me up when that's done. <laughs> she defeats a computer, Gav, with an insoluble equation. Mm. Is that insolvable? Other than insoluble, yeah. I guess the equation does does uh, yes, it, <laughs> does it, dissolve in water. It, it does mean uh, unsolvable, yes. But she actually, it <laughs> broken down, it boils down to like print out X, go to finish, continue. What? It, it, it's just the equivalent of 10 print, ha ha ha, 20, go to 10. Well, it's not because this, cause this is print out X. Finish, and then there's another command that the computer's just mm. going to ignore. Well, yeah, it's uh, it's giving the uh, computer the impossible task, a la Kirk style. But, Indeed. But doing it in science. Do it in science. In and so he's doing it, and she's better than everyone else. Jamie's like an excitable child in this. Was he? He's, he, was, he was awesome <laughs> in this. 
I should record not the the read thing. Uh, no. Well, if it was, it's something else now. Okay. Which I never copied over. You don't have the quote in here? No. Do you know what it is? I've got it written down. Do you know what it is? No. Yes, I do. Yeah, I know what it is. But yes, Jamie did have one of the best put-downs ever, I thought, in this one. When at one point he goes, uh, the second encounter with Packer, is it? I don't know. He he goes back out to him and he he mentions something that's written on the wall and goes, Jamie, oh, don't tell me you can read as well. What else can you do? Uh, It's just so absolutely brilliantly delivered as well. Just one of the highlights of the episode for me. One of the many quotes I could have chose. I chose the the, uh, the story itself. All eight episodes. All, All eight, eight, eight stories. Episodes. Well, people should watch it. I mean, I'm sure they have three and a half hours to spend. <laughs> Jamie also noticed the TARDIS was broken. Well, to be honest, he could do that in any episode and he'd be right. Yeah, but he, he only just noticed it now. I thought, it's uh, taking his time. <laughs> But this thing's constantly broken. Yeah, if it was a horse, it'd have been put mm-hmm. down by now. Yeah, I think he just said a lot of. He was quite good on this episode. I thought her him and Zoe were quite good. I thought, well, although Zoe spent her time hanging around with Isabel, so that maybe didn't help. I think, mm-hmm. but the fact that she was good whilst doing that helped. You know, it says a lot about Zoe. <coughs> yeah. Hello. But, yeah. What? Hi. No. Hello. Yeah. Hi. So it took the Cybermen like <laughs> half the story to even turn up and they barely say anything. This cyber director guy never shuts up. Mm. He's probably still talking behind the wall. Yeah. <laughs> it, it was planning his downfall. If you were getting locked in a cupboard, of course you're going to not hold up any bargain. <laughs> I had a fortune cookie say that once. <laughs> <laughs> if you're going to get locked in the cupboard, of course you're not going to hold up any bargain. <laughs> what? Maybe that's the one he got. And that's how I, the side And, and I never knew what it meant until now in, in a signs, uh, in an M. Night Shyamalan, M. Night signs kind of way, I suddenly see the twist at the end. Uh, what have we said it took them long? Yeah, it took them half the story mm. so I meant to turn up. Yeah. Uh, which yeah, and then they did something. Yes, 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 okay. Apparently, they did lots of climbing. How do you mm. feel about that? Yes, there was more climbing in this one. They did climb in and out of the sewer. Yeah. They do seem to like climbing up ladders. <laughs> <laughs> and coming out of great high things. Let's, let's take that particular part off. <laughs> let's not mention climbing. Oh, I got bored. <laughs> so did the uh. listeners. <coughs> <laughs> right, there was that machine uh, right. that mm. made things feel emotions. Not things. I mean, you couldn't just, <laughs> you couldn't just point at a balloon and it was suddenly feeling emotion. Mm, what suddenly felt despair and pops itself. <laughs> or or you, you couldn't just pointed to Ben I'd like to and see then he would suddenly balloon. go Mistress Polly my hands I'd like to see a happy balloon a happy balloon that that would be really fun to see it'd be, it'd be giddy and shaking him out all over him yes no no not things but people and they could be made to feel different emotions but they can point it at the Cybermen 
and make them feel emotions. So, so he pointed that one of the side was a test that was working to make him feel fear, and he went mad. Why didn't he point it at the Cyberman and make him feel Schadenfreude? Or oh, guilt, or shame. Well, well, Schadenfreude is like shameful joy, so it's not a lot. Well, yeah. If if he did that though, he he would have to sort of like accidentally trip over. Well, I mean, the Cyberman would feel joy at the shame of him tripping over. Yeah. You don't get quite such an immediate response variable coming back. Or you could make him feel smug, which would explain the Cyberman <laughs> in the next Cyberman story we watch. It's not until Tom Baker that we watch that. Yeah, Gav, no, right, we're not watching a Cyberman story until Tom Baker, and we're not watching a Dalek story for several series into John Pertwee. We are uh, without Daleks and Cybermen for quite some time. Really? So that complaint letter that our kid sent actually did something, saying there's too many Daleks and Cybermen and Yeti stories. Yes, apparently. Uh, so yeah, Peter Holiday, who did the vo- who who was did the voices of the of the Cybermen and the Cyber Director. And when he did the voice of the Cyber Director, he was hidden in a concealed compartment in Vaughn's office. <laughs> It was right next to. There was another wall so, that opened so up next to that, and he was behind it. So there were two people trapped in a cupboard. See, if I didn't, if I didn't think I was going to take it out, I would mention that Austrian guy that kept people in his basement. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that, that cyber director said it disagreed mm-hmm. a lot, mm-hmm. but then ended up blowing up the, mm-hmm. wanting to blow up the entire earth. So what does that tell you? He, he even said that after uh, when uh, when Vaughan said. Uh, told the director was I am not going to go undergo cyberization or whatever the fuck you call the process and it turned out and cyber it would just shake and he said no 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 it is agreed <laughs> you sure say it is agreed a lot <laughs> it is agreed <laughs> and I love that in the, in the series there were two cybermen normal cybermen who were going to kill the, the companions and then just the way they t- they they heard the the mad Robert, the mad Cyberman behind them, and they turned around and like, what what what's going Robert? What are you doing? And then it's just the mad Cyberman doing some weird dance. And then eventually goes, "I love you guys." <laughs> and then they get grenades thrown at them. Yeah, very Cyberman. Yay! Yay! It's the Brigadier. <laughs> He's back. Yeah, and he's a brigadier now, and he's got his own Nick Fury style plane. But he's pretty much a, he's pretty much a telephone operator though. He just seems to be on the phone a lot, which seems to consist oh, which a, seems to consist of a microphone. Yeah, or he's a wannabe singer. <laughs> I would like to see the brigadier do karaoke. What would you like them to sing? Uh, crash test dummies. What? Yeah. Yeah. See if you can do it better than me. Yes. I would say he can. I'd like to. I'd like to see him and Sergeant Benton sing "Would I Lie to You" by Charles Neri. That's a pretty special song. It is a special song, but he, and he has hair. You can set your watch by. He, he probably spends more time on his hair than he does on being a telephone operative. In fact, he probably likes being a telephone operative because he can do that and style his hair at the same time. He has a hand free. It's just a very precise hairstyle. Don't ask me why I was analysing his hairstyle, but I was. There's nothing wrong with a precise hairstyle. I used to have a precise hairstyle. 
Yes. What happened? Yeah? I grew did up. You, did you no longer want it to be metric? It was costing too much. Did you know there's two countries in the world that aren't metric? England? No. Mm-hmm. United States. Britain. The United States. No, we're officially yeah. metric. United States and Vietnam or something like that. <laughs> Which is just hilarious. <laughs> anyway, hilarious. Say that again. Reached. First appearance of unit. A lot of unit people seem to make tea. Probably could get a good yes. job there. Maybe she's the tea director. A tea director. Is she yeah. behind a wall as well? <laughs> yeah. Tea May- Maybe that's over the bigger days on phone at most of the time. <laughs> Polly, how do you make this? How do you make this uh, this tea? It's a bit, uh, a bit difficult. <laughs> I don't know why I was trying to speak like Adam Buxton there, but I was. Yeah, one of my favourite bits as well was... Uh, when Robert the Sideman came dancing up behind, there was a couple of unit guys in there. It looked like uh, they were all scared because the Sidemen were approaching. It looked like one of them was, two of them were getting uh, a bit too close and started holding hands (laughs) for comfort. And then it just just transpired that he was passing a grenade. We, we were all disappointed. When you mentioned that when we were watching it, I was like, oh, cool. I'll remind you and see it. I actually thought you were talking about the two Cybermen were holding hands. And I just love the, the image of them just walking down the sewers holding hands. Yay, Robert's here. Let's go for a dance down the sewer. Because cyber control can't see us down here. They can't reach us. Radios don't work. So we can just dance. Only unit radios work, apparently. I know. <laughs> unit are awful shots. Remind me a lot of the eighteen. Uh, I suspect I'll be saying that yes. a lot in the years to come. Yeah, they came back because they, yeah, the enemy they, they couldn't shoot a flying elephant. I <laughs> said. So I think it, yeah, like like any TV show then. I would have thought a flying elephant would be quite a difficult thing to shoot. It depends how far away it is. But I'm I'm still thinking it's pretty difficult. I would have thought so a dead elephant would be a lot easier to shoot mm. than a flying elephant. Because mm. it's moving. And and to fly, it's, it's probably got some height and distance. More than likely. It'll be easier to shoot than a flying pigeon. Yes. Unless the pigeon is the size of a house. I don't think there are pigeon-sized houses. <laughs> or what how, about or house-sized pigeons? <laughs> what about on Pigeon Street? Not even on Pigeon Street. <laughs> I will defer to your expert knowledge of Pigeon Street. Yes, I have been down Pigeon Street. And, no, there and, are that, and, that, and that, ladies and gentlemen, is a euphemism. Calf <laughs> has been down Pigeon Street. But there was a... One guy from the unit, Jimmy. Jimmy, yes. Jimmy. Knew him well. No. Jimmy Turner, his name is a part. I, I did like how excited he was at one stage to uh, to take charge of the, the assault team. It was, it was grinning to everybody in the room. Because, yeah, guys, I've got the assault team. Yeah. It was amusing to me. It was amusing. Yeah, he was just uh, how I hate him. I don't know why, it just, it it was, just, it just seemed to 
It was far a bit too happy. He just seemed. He didn't seem as like a happy soldier. And smug and everything. Smug. Yes, that was. Maybe, maybe the maybe they they used Professor Watkins' machine on him. And then he chatted up Isabel like completely. It was just awful the way. Oh, and she couldn't. Get, she didn't get the shots of the Cybermen or whatever. And she, he was like, "Well, maybe I could treat you to dinner later." And then she was like, "Oh, you stinky bitch!" No, oh, not one of them. And then I was just like, "I don't know which of these I feel sorry for now. I hate mm-hmm. both of them." <laughs> maybe, maybe they should get married and die. Get married and die. Where's the kid from? At the altar. <laughs> yeah. I don't want them not. I don't. I don't want them to be just before they get married. That would be. There would be no point to that. I have to start saying that a bit more. Instead, of, uh, I wish I'd die. I wish I'd get married. And die. <laughs> I don't know I, why. I know. I, I don't know why they're getting married, but <laughs> in a wedding of your own making. <laughs> Hello. Yeah. yeah. Bloody. They make uh, unit. Make agents of Shield. Like in Marvel, you know the TV show. They make that bunch of people look professional. They had these com- crazy kids, as the brigadier called them, companions, just commandeered a jeep and then left the base. And they were like, "Yeah, okay, I'll drive you somewhere." What? What's going on? Also, uh, Sergeant Benton's first appearance in this. Mister Benton. John Lee. He got the part due to the original person being consistently late, apparently. Do we know who that was? Nope. Do we care? He's never said who it is. Therefore, I have assumed that it is Tom Cruise. It's. It sounds like a sound assumption. Quote then. <laughs> my quote. Quote is Isabel uses walls to write messages mm-hmm. on, and uh, Jimmy seems a bit confused why this happens. And he's even more confused. Oh, the address. Oh, that's scribbled on the wall too. Oh, okay. Do you not write anything down on paper at all? Well, I'd only lose it if I did. Writing on a wall's much safer. You can't lose a wall, can you? Uh, no. And then my quote calls this one. I would like, please, to speak with Professor Watkins. One moment. Party not available. Then I would like to speak with someone in authority. Your request will be considered and your appointment arranged. Please state your name and address. Well, that's no good. I wish to speak with somebody now. I am sorry. All personnel are engaged. But I insist. This is an emergency. State the nature of the emergency. It is a private matter. Private matters have no emergency status. Ah, oh, shut up, you stupid machine! Best quote ever. <laughs> Final thoughts, then. Uh, yeah, we've mentioned it was great atmosphere and episodes, which is mm. unusual for an eight-part episode. Yeah, it, w- it's, it was a bit... Yeah, a I bit slow at <laughs> it was a bit slow at start, but there was a lot of sort of no, thought, sort of tension and I thought yeah well and but I didn't notice the slowness at the start because it was the atmosphere mm-hmm. got going plus it was animated well it it was slow in that nothing much actually happened but it it was still an enjoyable story if you like not much plot happened but a lot mm. of incidents did yeah character bits. Yeah, 
Yeah, but you, but you didn't know what was happening with the storyline or where it was going or anything. No. And the Cyberman, good, I think it was a good story in spite of the Cyberman. Vaughn mm. was a better villain than because uh, they didn't show up to halfway through and they didn't really say much. Cyber Director did, though. I don't think you needed the Cyberman in this at all. It could have been anyone. But then you couldn't have the Cyberman. Uh, it, it could have been the Decepticons <laughs> in this. That would have been awesome. <laughs> Why didn't they do that? I don't know. You'd better get on to Mattel. Is that who makes... Uh, Probably. It's on your finger. No, oh, that's a blood clot thing. Oh. Blood blister. Something. Blood blister. Future. I got it from when I got run over. Future. <laughs> Don't get run over. Most of future guys gonna hate me. Um. So next time, <coughs> you, me. Yeah, not not the listener. You. Mm. Are doing Drunken Time Travel Science on invisibility. Yes, indeed, yo. So we'll see you then. Or not. Or not. And then two weeks after that, you'll be doing the synopsis for the Crotons. Would you like to read the quote end quote? I, I would be my pleasure. If you go down in the woods today, you're sure of a big surprise. If you go down in the woods today, you better go in disguise. For every bear that ever there was will gather there for certain, because today's the day the teddy bears have their picnic. It was uh, it was Henry Hall, and that is, of course, the teddy bear's picnic. Just one quick thing. For every bear that ever there was, does that mean on the day that the teddy bears have their picnic, dead bears come back to life? No, they're just... All the dead bodies are dragged there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I thought it was like in Ghostbusters whenever all the ghosts got let out, let out of the uh, container. No, no, that's stupid. It's just not realistic at all. Yeah, but you wouldn't get the... Yeah, the bears will get a proper fucking signal in the forest, won't they? Uh, remember on iTunes, you mm-hmm. can validate our existence by reading, commenting, or liking. You can do that on Facebook yes. if you want, or even on Twitter. Or you can ask us a question on Twitter, drunk time travel, or you can email us. Yes. Discussion concluded. Doctor, it's getting bigger!